Well, hello, good evening, and welcome to our Front Range Baptist Church online. And I welcome you to this time in God's Word tonight. Trust that you've had a great day in the Lord. And as you prepare tonight to hear from the Lord through His Word as we study it together, I trust that you will uh, let God speak to your heart. So whatever you're doing right now, put aside all distraction, uh, get whoever's with you together, gather together with the Bible, and let's uh, open up the Bible tonight to Judges chapter 4. Judges chapter 4. We've been in this series going through pictures of courage. And this is a day and age that requires courage in the life of God's people. And so we want to live a courageous, victorious, conquering life. And we want to be courageous. Now, courage is not brashness. It's not rudeness. It's not arrogance. It's none of those things. Courage, good courage, is simply faith in God. And not just, not just taking what we think uh, is God's word to us and believing that, but it is accepting what God has given us, no matter the consequences, and putting ourselves upon God's promises and walking in obedience. Faith is not just believing, but it's believing to obedience. And so, look, it's, uh, it's not works, but it's believing that works. And so let's, let's have courage today and a faith that is unmovable. Uh, it's unstoppable. And we just obey God and follow God regardless of the consequences. And we take our stand in this world. This is a day for God, God's people to be grounded in the word of God and moving forward in a time of despair. Well, that's what our story is about tonight. Uh, I'm going to give you a very quick overview before we look at a few practical things. But this is the story of really three characters, um, one bad guy. And so uh, we're going to look at this character tonight. This is in Judges chapter 4. And this is the story of Israel as they have now Ehud, their judge is dead. Ehud had judged them and Israel had returned to the Lord for a time. They had some kind of a reformation. I wouldn't call it a revival, but they had a reformation. And they began to follow the Lord under Ehud, their judge, who had delivered them from the evil king Eglon. You remember that. And Israel has had the longest period of rest, almost 80 years of rest after that great victory of Ehud. But now after Ehud dies, they immediately go back into their wicked ways. And what happens? Here comes the Canaanite nations, their little nation states around the land of Canaan, and they gather together and they begin to oppress Israel. And it is a harsh oppression. Um, the Bible tells us in, uh, in chapter 5 that uh, the, the time was so bad that people in Israel would not travel on the highways. They stuck to the back roads. They very rarely came out and enjoyed the life in the villages. People were basically in their homes because there was a, a captain whose name was Sisera, who had 900 chariots of iron at his disposal, and they were oppressing Israel 
day by day by day. And God brings his word to a, a woman named Deborah. Her name means bee, like a, like a honeybee. Um, Deborah, the bee. And God brings this his word to her. And I want to say very quickly that some believe that this is a sign of God's judgment against Israel because there was, there was no man to lead them. So there was a woman that God had to use to lead them. I see this as an act of God's grace that God saw his people. Remember with Israel and Isaiah, the Bible says that, that uh, children would, would, um, um, would, would rule them and that, oh, that women would, would lead them. And I think what happens is, is God is looking at them like they're little children. And God has to bring a mother like Deborah, who's going to treat them like children and mother them back to God. And this was a time when there was no male leadership. Men were afraid of their position. Men were afraid to be men and to take their stand. And what happened in this time? God comes to Deborah. God brings his word to Deborah and says, Deborah, I want you to say, thus saith the Lord, and I want Israel to have a great and mighty victory. And so um, that word comes to Barak, and Barak says, oh, I'm not going unless Deborah goes with me. And so Deborah said, I'll go. And Deborah goes to battle with Barak, and God sends a great victory over Sisera, and there is a, a great um, uh, battle that is waged and God does a miraculous thing and Sisera escapes. And as Sisera escapes, he comes to the tent of a lady by the name of J.L. And he says to her, hey, can, you, can I come into your tent? And she allows him to come and he says, don't tell anybody that I'm here. And he knew that he was safe because nobody would have come into a wife's tent except her husband. So he thought, well, I'm safe now. No one's going to look for me here. But he made the mistake of telling her not to tell anybody because then she knew that he was escaping from the battle. And J.L. gives him some milk to drink instead of water, covers him up. He falls asleep. She, this is a gruesome part of the story, but she takes a nail puts it in temple in the temple of Jael and she drives it through his head into the ground. And here God delivers Israel through the nail of Jael, through the head of Sisera, wounds the head, crushes the enemy, and God uses these two women to do mighty things. And I wanna just focus on Deborah for a minute. And I want us to see this picture of courage in the life of Deborah. And I want to just give you some, some things that I think will help us in our life to be as courageous as Deborah was courageous. You can read the whole story and fill in all the details. But the Bible starts off in Judges chapter 4, verse 1. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. By the way, this is the difference between having a spiritual revival and just spiritual reformation. We have to be really careful even in the lives of our children, that we don't just have a time in their lives when we modify their behavior and they reform to our standard of living, but we never get to the heart. 
This is what happened in Israel's life. Israel had this reformation, but they didn't have a revival. And they were doing right as long as Ehud was in charge. But when Ehud was dead, they went back into their sin. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor. Now, Jabin is a generic name like Pharaoh or Herod or Caesar. Jabin is just a title for the king of Canaan, whoever is ruling the kingdom states, the nation states, a conglomeration of Canaanite tribes. That was Jabin, and he was reigning in Hazor. Now, you remember Hazor from, Judge, from Joshua 11. When they came into Canaan, they burned Hazor. They destroyed Hazor. That was that great prominent capital city that was a, when Joshua set it on fire, it was an announcement to all of Canaan that the God of Israel had given this land to his people. But now through these years, over all of these years, the Canaanites have rebuilt Hazor. They are now again reigning in Hazor and they have come back fortified with 900 chariots of iron. Uh, the Bible says in Verse number three, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. So Israel has been under this oppression. They can't leave their homes. They can't go on the highways. It's a dangerous time and they are under this heavy oppression for 20 years. And the Bible says, and Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidot, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. So she was this woman who had the word of God. And a prophet or a prophetess is not someone who foretells the future, but just foretells the word of God. And so God was using her in a time when there were no men to step up and to take that role. God was using her as a mother to Israel. And in fact, she calls herself that later in this story, but she was a mother to Israel. And here's why God used Deborah and God used this woman under this palm tree, judging Israel, giving them the word of God. God used her because of her courage. Where did her courage come from? Well, let me give you a couple practical things from this lesson. Number one, Deborah had great confidence in the word of God. She had great confidence in the word of God. Look at verse six. And she sent and called Barak, the son of uh, Abinoam, out of Kadesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee 10,000 men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun? And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. She said, listen, didn't God command you? Hasn't God commanded you that you're to take 10,000 men from just Naphtali and Zebulun, these two tribes, 10,000 men, go out, go to Kishon, draw out in that Kishon Valley, where the, remember the Kishon River, flowed from Jerusalem down to the Kishon Valley, draw Sisera, I will draw Sisera down there. And he's gonna bring all of his 900 chariots of iron. He's gonna bring his multitude of his army and they're all gonna come down there against your 10,000 men. Well, listen, I can promise you this. Uh, 
Brock didn't want to do that. He, I think he knew that God commanded because the way she said it, she said, hath not the Lord God commanded you to do this? And Brock was failing and faltering in obeying God's command. He was lacking courage and faith. But Deborah said, he came, she came to him and said, come on, Brock. God, I mean, come on. Hasn't God said for you to take 10,000 men from these two tribes, go down to where I told you to go, and I'm going to draw Sisera down there with all of his might, and I'm going to do a great work there. And Brock was faltering, but Deborah had faith. And this is where courage comes from. We've been saying this over and over and over again in this series, but here was a woman who just took God at his word. She had great confidence in the word of God. And I want to say to you, you need to learn to trust the word of God. Even when the circumstances don't look like they're lining up with what the promises of God are, when you have great needs and you think, I, I'm looking at my resources, my resources are way inferior to the size of my needs. My strength is here. My problems are here. My, my resources are here. My needs are here. Uh, it could be in physical things and financial things and uh, in, in your temptation and your spiritual walk. We often look at how much time I have and how much I have to accomplish. And this is where we begin to lack confidence because we say, well, I know God said he would meet my needs. I know God said that he would he would do the work that he promised in my life, that God would sustain me and strengthen me and help me and provide for me. And yet we doubt that so often. And that was the problem with Barak, but not the problem with Deborah. Deborah had confidence in the word of God. Not only that, I want to show you this. Deborah was obedient to God's will. She was confident in God's word, but she was obedient to God's will. Look at verse number seven. And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thy hand. Now, this is where she said, look, this is what God has said. This is what God will do. And so you need to be obedient to the will of God. Brock, the will of God for you is to have 10,000 men in that valley. That's all you have to do. God will draw Sisera. God will deal with Sisera. God said, I will deliver them into thine hands. So you just need to obey the will of God. Can I tell you tonight, church, listen to me. It's one thing to say, I believe the word of God. It's another thing to obey the will of God. When God says, do this, because this is my will, and God's will always aligns with his word. So when God's word says it, we're to obey it. And we don't obey it. Listen, we don't obey it. We don't obey it because it makes sense. We obey it because God said so. And it doesn't make sense. There was no way in the world that 10,000 of Barak's army were going to ever be able to withstand 900 chariots of iron and the multitude of Sisera's army. But the will of God was for him to be in that place. Can I tell you that one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned in my life is just to be where God wants me to be. Stand in my place. Just be where God wants me to be. Just do what God wants me to do and leave all the consequences to him. I, I remember Charles Stanley used to say this quote all the time. He, he used to say, obey God 
and leave all the consequences to him. And you know, that's what real faith is. Faith is not believing God in, uh, in spite of the, the, the circumstances. It's believing God in spite of the consequences. Listen, leave all the consequences to God. Let God be God. You just be obedient and be in your place. That's what happened with Gideon. The Bible said with Gideon and his little 300 men that every man stood in their place. You know, I've often realized that as a preacher, I can't, I can't, I can't preach sometimes as well as other men can preach. I may not be able to administrate as other pastors can administrate. I may not have the brilliant mind that other men can have. I may not have the rich oratory that other men can have, but I can tell you what I, what I can be. I can be as faithful as anybody. I can be in my place and be obedient to the will of God. This is, this is where Deborah was. She was obedient to the will of God. And, and, and you know, Brock said this, look at verse eight. Brock said, if thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou will not go with me, then I will not go. Now listen, this is, this is where so many Christians are. Christians wanna put stipulations on God's will. God said, Barak, take 10,000 and go to that valley. And he said, I'll only do it if I can have one more with me. Now that's a lack of faith. Uh, Barak uh, was a lack of faith. And I believe it was a sign of the weakness. And by the way, I think it was a picture of the weakness that was in the male leadership in Israel. And men, let me just challenge you. Let's be leaders in faith. Let's be leaders in obedience. Don't relegate uh, the obedient Christian life to our wives. So oftentimes you see this in, in church work is that women have a propensity to a spiritual life and they have this great faith and they follow God. And sometimes men are faltering and slow and hesitant to get sold out to God. And I wanna say, men, let's sell out and be obedient to the will of God. Let's do all that God is requiring us to be. Men, you don't have to be as smart and as rich and as savvy and as strong in every area as other men are. Don't compare yourself to other men. Just get with God, find what God wants you to do with your life, and then do it. And be obedient and be faithful, and God will bless that. Have confidence in his word, have obedience to his will, and then watch this. Watch this. I love this. Look at verse number, look at verse number 14. Uh, verse number 13, the Bible says, And Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron, all the people that were with him, from Heresheth of the Gentiles under the river of Kishon. And Deborah said unto Barak, and don't miss this, Up, for this is the day which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thy hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor, and 10,000 men after him. Let me tell you what she had. Deborah not only had confidence in God's work and she was not not only obedient to God's will, but but Deborah, Deborah, don't miss this, had faith in God's work. She had faith in God's work. She knew that God was going to do the rest. If we just do what God has called us to do, God will do the work. Listen, this is what the Bible says in the Christian life, that he which hath called you, he that hath called you. 
Uh, he said that he will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. We are not saved by works, but we're saved unto good works, which he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He hath begun a good work in you and he will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, I, I don't have to do the work. I just have to show up and be faithful where God wants me to be faithful and do the things that God has said to do and he'll do the rest. I give God my little lunch. God feeds 5,000. I have confidence enough in God to give God my boat and my net. He's the one that brings the multitude of fishes into it to break those nets and sink that boat and overwhelm me with his work. That's all I have to do. I give God my sling. I give God that stone and God gives me the head of the giant. I give God my shepherd's staff and God gives me the rod of God, which splits the Red Sea and does mighty works. Listen, Moses didn't do the great work. David didn't do the great work. Peter didn't do the great work. The little lad didn't do the great work. They were men who just had confidence in God's word. They had obedience to God's will and they had faith that God would do the work. And this is where Deborah was. And oh, how wonderful it was. And let me show you. Deborah could rejoice in God's way. Oh, this is so good. Deborah could rejoice in God's way. Look at verse 15. And the Lord discomfited. That means he routed. He overthrew Sisera and all his chariots and all his hosts with the edge of the sword before Barak. So that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. He had all these chariots of iron and now Sisera is running for his life. Why? Because God routed him. God destroyed him. But Barak pursued after the chariots and after the host unto Harasheth of the Gentiles and all the host of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword and there was not a man left. And then we read how Sisera went into the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, which is an amazing thing because I don't have time to get into this, but the, the Kenites, they were somehow related to Israel through Moses, somehow related somewhere in that in, to the people of Judah, but not of them. And there was this relation, but God used them to come alongside of Israel and to do, I mean, the men of Judah weren't even in this war. It was the Naphtali and Zebulun. And Zebulun. But yet this lady, Jael, puts the nail in the coffin of Sisera and kills him and destroys him. And God used a woman to bring down Sisera and his mighty army. And Deborah could just rejoice in God's way. And listen, there's no way like God's way. Who would have ever thought that mighty Sisera and his 900 chariots would be destroyed by a little river of Kidron overflowing and flooding out, getting him stuck, making him flee, and a woman putting a nail in his head. You say, is that how it happened? It's exactly how it happened. Watch Judges chapter 5 because this is where Deborah rejoices in the way of God. Verse one, then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abba. Now, isn't it interesting? Barak is singing with her. Uh, he wasn't really, he wasn't ready to go to the war, but he's ready to sing about the praise of the war, uh, about the praise of God winning the war. Then Deborah and Barak sang uh, on that day, saying, praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel when the people willingly offered themselves 
Hear, O ye kings, give ear, O ye princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise unto the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when thou winnest out of Seir, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped and the clouds also dropped water. The mountains melted from before the Lord, even from even that Sinai from before the Lord of Israel in the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, the son the, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied. The travelers walked through the byways. The inhabitants of the villages ceased that they ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, arose and I arose a mother in Israel. They chose new gods. Then was war in the gates. There was a shield or a spear seen among the 40,000 in Israel. No, my heart is toward the governors of Israel. And so here's what she's saying. She's singing and she's singing and she's singing this praise to God saying, God, here's what you did. When Israel was going out after other gods, when you oppressed them with these people, when they wouldn't even go down the highways, when they wouldn't even come out of their homes and their villages, when Israel was 20 years oppressed because of their disobedient hearts, you came to me. And you gave me your word and we believed your word. And we went out into that dry valley of, of, uh, of Kishon and God, you sent an earthquake and you sent water from it. Just like when Mount Sinai melted under your presence, these waters flowed and the chariots were stuck and they were all discomfited and they were routed in this great victory. And you raised up jail to seal the deal. And God, you did all these mighty things. You did all these mighty things simply because your people or one person believed. See, this is the courage of Deborah. And this is where one person can make the difference. One of us who'll just take God fully at his word, become fully obedient to the will of God, completely trust ourselves to the work of God, we'll be able to stand back and we'll praise God for what he accomplished. And we'll say, God, your way, we thought you were gonna save America this way. We thought you were gonna send revival this way, but Lord, you did it in ways far beyond what we could ever imagine. And they sang the song of Deborah, praising God for his wonderful works. Oh, listen, this is what I wanna leave you with tonight. It takes courage. It takes courage to have these, these kinds of victories. But where does this courage come from? It comes from confidence in the word of God, obedience to the will of God, faith in the work of God. And when we do that, when we do that, faith is the victory that overcomes the world and we get to rejoice at, at the way of God and watch God do what he so desperately wants to do in the life of his people. I believe today that we're overwhelmed by so many spiritual enemies. The people of God need an awakening. Let God use you to do it. Oh, let God use me to do it. Let's pray that way. Father, use the message tonight. Encourage your people to be people of courage. Strengthen our hearts. May we get in your word and your word in us. May we abide in it, walk in it, believe it. Lord, help us tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church.